Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the LightningInsider.com podcast. I'm Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com. If you want to check out my written work, that's where you can find it. Lightninginsider.com is the website. And all kinds of daily coverage, game recaps, everything else that you want in your daily coverage of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Just a quick little podcast here I want to do to kind of catch everybody up on a few things as we get very close here to the midway point of the season. And we'd be past it by now, but a couple of rescheduled games uh, will be on the horizon as Tampa Bay was coming off a uh, crazy, crazy week again. I Last time we talked about the crazy week around Christmas, and now they had the situation in New Jersey and Buffalo with New Jersey's game getting postponed. Uh, so we'll touch on that a little bit. Going to discuss conversation had with Julian Brisebois, the general manager of the lighting, and how that relates to the trade deadline scenario. Want to discuss the possibility, some raised eyebrows regarding a potential outdoor game here in the Tampa Bay area and what that might look like. And then the all-star situation as well we'll touch on that i know that's always a a hot topic item uh, at least a push button item if you will for debate every time it comes out with the all-star game being in las vegas here in a couple of weeks and who was tabbed from tampa bay and who wasn't and my thoughts on some of that Uh, so we'll get to all of that before we do however if you are into the betting scene check out BetUS.com. We had the NFL playoffs here this weekend, as I sit here and record this. The NFL playoffs are this weekend. So if you want a sports book with integrity and longevity, go to BetUS.com. You may not know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost two decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer fan base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of of bonuses join now or call 800-69-BET-US that's 800-MY-BET-US and you'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the code BOLTS22 that's quote uh, code BOLTS22 they have re-up and referral bonuses as well BETUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons you can catch all your NBA and NHL action with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and NFL odds up as well. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports including golf. 
The online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US, you bet you win, you get paid. Bet US. So again, if you're into the gambling scene, please check them out. Lots of live action and lots of stuff that you can find on their website. Again, betus.com. All right, let's start with the reschedule situation. I hope everybody had a chance to go check out this story I wrote earlier in the week regarding the situation with Tampa Bay having their game postponed in New Jersey because it was a crazy 90 minutes, uh, 20 minutes before the team's flight was supposed to take off. They got word that the game in New Jersey was going to be postponed, and you would think that this is no big deal, right? Well, there's a lot of logistics involved trying to get a professional sports team around the country and, and to these destinations that they have to get to. And while it would have been easy for the Lightning to say, okay, uh, everybody head back home, we'll get on a plane on Monday, because this, this is on Sunday, they were scheduled to play the, the Devils uh, in Jersey on Monday, just go home, we'll fly tomorrow. Well, they couldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> Stafford shortings, um, you know, flight situations, it's not that, it's just not simple, uh, as simple as it would seem to just kind of reschedule a flight. So the team was scrambling on what they had to do, uh, how, what they were going to do in terms of not just figuring out what they were doing on Sunday, but how they were going to get to Buffalo in time for a game scheduled to be played on Tuesday. It was going to be a back-to-back. And it's not as simple as saying, well, hey, you were supposed to have a flight on Monday to Buffalo anyway. They couldn't reschedule it. So... Uh, again, go to the story, get the behind-the-scenes look on exactly how in 90 minutes the team went from thinking they were flying to Jersey to having to reroute everything to Buffalo a day early, which includes booking new hotels, getting new flight information, transportation. There was a possibility the team was going to have to use school buses to get from the airport to the hotel on Monday, and uh, check out the MVP behind behind it all, Ryan Bellick, who is the director of team services, uh, and what he had to go through in the 90 minutes to figure out what they were going to do with the team and how it all came together. Again, that story is up at lightninginsider.com. Just go under Daily Charge, uh, and you'll see the headlines. It says uh, planes, hotels, and buses, uh, what everything they went through to get the team uh, a, a, a literally a last-minute change uh, from heading instead of heading to Jersey, they head to Buffalo. That's that's a crazy thing. Uh, in terms of those rescheduled games, Tampa Bay sits right now with three on the horizon. They've got one in Arizona, one in Colorado, and now one in Jersey. It sounds like the league is very close to coming out with a revamped schedule. Uh, I don't know if it'll be as simple as a Lightning just playing those three games in that window in February and how that all is going to look. Uh, the league has more than 100 games they have to reschedule at this point, uh, barring any more postponements uh, on the horizon. At this point, it doesn't sound like the season is going to be extended at all. It's still scheduled to end the last week of April. Tampa Bay's final game is scheduled to be April the 29th. 
in Columbus when the playoffs would start uh, in the first week of May. So uh, look for that on the horizon in terms of a what the, that new schedule is going to look like. Fortunately for Tampa Bay at this point, none of their home games have been disrupted. So you, Lightning fans, in terms of your tickets and everything like that, have not, uh, I don't anticipate any uh, change in the home schedule to accommodate any of these changes. But uh, again, that's the good news is that the, the season ticket holders have not been uh, uh, disrupted in any way in what they're supposed to do in terms of uh, the rescheduled games. So look for that on the horizon. All right, after the conversation with Julian Breezebois, he tends to sit down with a few of us for a midseason report, uh, or just a midseason update, a state of the team address if you will, and we did have that earlier in the week. And, of course, the trade deadline is something that's... It, it's for teams like Tampa Bay, obviously, in contention, uh, sitting you know in a very good spot in, in terms of making the playoffs and how the trade deadline is going to factor into them moving forward. Here's the thing to understand in Tampa Bay situation. They have zero cap space. Literally, they have zero cap space. If you follow any of the tracking sites, the the salary tracking sites, whether it's cap friendly or Puckpedia, that that keep track of these things, they have no cap space. Even Julian said, we have no cap space, which makes it a difficult proposition to suggest that they're easily in the market at trade deadline day. It doesn't. It's not as simple as that. Nothing is, certainly right now with the flat cap and and everything else, and, and how Tampa Bay's roster is constructed with, you know, Nikita Kucherov at nine point five, and Andre Vasilevsky at nine point five, Steven Stamkos at eight point five, uh, Braden Point at six point seven, or whatever his contract is right now. Andre Palat five point three. They get a lot of uh, big money players. Victor Hedman, uh, just under eight million dollars per year. And, and look, that's the price of success. Players get paid when you have success, and they're certainly no different than anybody else here. Uh, but one thing you have to keep in mind, if, if the Lightning are going to be active in the trade market, it, it can't be futures for players, right? You look at the deals that they have made the past two trade deadlines. They've been futures for present. Right, you traded a first-round draft pick to acquire Barkley Goodrow from San Jose. You traded a first-round draft pick and your top prospect in Nolan Foot to the Devils to bring in Blake Coleman. That was two years ago, and then last year they were able to bring in David Savard. Gave up a first-round draft pick to Columbus. Uh, Detroit was involved to take half the remaining cap hit. Uh, they had to give up a draft pick to Detroit to make that happen. Uh, again, no player out, but you bring a player in. That's really not possible this year. It's It can happen, but what they had last year to help um, bring in David Savard was some roster flexibility, which is they had players that they could shuffle up and down between the minors or the taxi squad and the big club. Cal Foot, 
was still on his entry-level contract, didn't require waivers. Alex Barry-Boulay, uh, who spent about the last month here, uh, was in the same situation. So they were able to manage the cap in that aspect. You don't have that possibility this year. There's nobody on this roster right now that does not require waivers to be sent to the minor leagues. Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, Cal Foote, whoever. Everybody would have to clear waivers to be able to be sent down. So there's no flexibility when it comes to that. So any trade that you would have to do if you're Julian Brisebois is going to be basically player in, player out, dollar in, dollar out in some capacity. So it's all fine and dandy to sit here and say the Lightning, well, they, they can't afford to stand pat. Might not have a choice unless, you know, what if you are able to trade a Matthew Joseph? What if you are able to trade a Cal Foot? What if you are able to trade a Taylor Radish? That's what you're looking at. Any potential deal would almost certainly have to include current players on your roster. And then you have to ask yourself, does, does the player that they're looking to acquire is it an upgrade to your team? And then you start talking, well, is it a rental player? Is it a player with term? Two years ago, acquiring both Goodrow and Coleman, both those players had an additional year remaining on their contract, so they weren't rental players. Last year, David Savard was a rental player. But if you're looking towards a trade deadline in March in this scenario, it's it has to be player in, player out. Or players in, player out. Or player in, players out. If we can have fun with our our plurals. So it's it manage the expectations. But here's the thing I'll say about Julian. He said the same thing last year. Right? He said they had limited cap opportunities. They had limited roster flexibility last year. And yet, lo and behold, they were able to pull off the deal for David Savard. So while Julian comes out and, and says all this, you know he's active. You know he's looking at all uh, possibilities, uh, all options. And that included you know, looking at Evander Kane. I think ultimately that was never going to work. I don't think you'd want to bring in, uh, as skilled as Evander Kane is, a player who brings the type of uh, off-the-ice situations that he's been involved with. I'm not sure bringing that player into this locker room made a lot of sense, but a general manager's not doing their job if they don't explore all options. Right, and that's basically what they did here. Just kind of flirted with the idea. At least, at least explore it and see see what the possibilities are. I don't think it was ever going to happen, but Julian's doing his due diligence, so no problem looking at that potential. If you read Elliot Friedman, thirty two thoughts this week, he he touched on a couple of trade situations and a trade uh, uh, players uh, around the league. You never know who's available or who's not available. And one name that did come up 
in terms of you know potentially being available and was actually linked to Tampa Bay as well as the Florida Panthers was Lawson Kraus. Kraus is a former first round draft pick of the Panthers back in 2015. He was the 11th overall pick. Uh, never has really kind of lived up to those type of expectations of being a first-round draft pick. He never actually made it with the Panthers. He's now currently with the Arizona Coyotes. But um, one of the things that, that Kraus brings is size. He's got good good size to his game. He's sort of a power forward, 6'4", 220 pounds. His numbers are not, they don't jump off the page at you. But he's got some scoring touch. He's 93 career points in 314 games. He's never scored more than 15 goals. But he just he just seems like the type of player that would be on Tampa Bay's radar. Got a cap hit of $1.5 million, so... As you get close to the trade deadline, it'd be less than half that with the remaining cap cap hit. So I, w- I was intrigued by seeing Elliot Link Kraus to the lighting in some capacity. It just it just sort of seems like that sneaky type of deal, Blake Coleman type deal uh, that that Julian would be on the lookout for. I mean, look. We, we knew two years ago Blake Coleman was available. Wasn't sure that Tampa Bay was a team that was uh, on that list uh, of interested teams, and yet they were the ones that acquired him. And nobody thought Barclay Goodrow was available. But they went out and they, they paid a premium price for him uh, in a first-round draft pick. Um, you know, but it, you know, you, if you follow Krause's career... His average ice time is, you know, ticked up from 10 minutes to 12 minutes to 13 minutes. Last year was 14 minutes. This year he's up to 18 minutes. Nine goals, 17 points in 33 games. Only a minus three on a on a pretty bad Arizona team. So it's just, just something to kind of keep an eye on, and, and certainly there'll be plenty of rumors floating around this team, which, you know, you, you start to ask the question, what does Tampa Bay need? You know, Krause would come in and probably be a lower-line guy for Tampa Bay, just as Coleman was. And Coleman was a 20-goal scorer with Jersey. You know, do you feel Tampa Bay needs that? What about depth on defense? You can never have enough defensemen. You know, you start to look at the injuries the team has had this year. And we talked about it last year. I think one of the biggest reasons they, they felt they really had to have a guy like David Savard last year was when Eric Chernak was injured and missed time, you realized, mm, we're kind of thin here on the right side. I think they're a little deeper on the right side with defense this year with Bogosian here now. Certainly deeper than they were pre-David Savard last year. What about on the left side? I mean, you're pretty stock there, right? McDonough, Hedman, Sergachev. But they don't have any other lefties, really, that can come into play. So do you, do you feel you need a lefty 
to come in and, and add you, uh, bring in some depth again. Dollar in, dollar out. Can't futures for, for now. You can't do a type of that trade. So if you're going to bring in a player of that capacity, who do you move out or who do you potentially put on waivers and risk losing in that situation? Let's face it, it <laughs> just about anybody in this lighting organization, another team would take a chance on, on a waiver pickup. So uh, what about a, a face-off person? You need a face-off specialist, the team we know struggles in that area. So you, do you feel that's a, that's a potential? So there's lots of things to kind of keep an eye on uh, with the trade deadline moving forward here um, in terms of what Tampa Bay might want to bring in. But again, difficult. It's going to be difficult to pull off. But I, I, I don't see Julian Breezeball sitting, sitting pat. He's been pretty aggressive the past two years. He stated his philosophy that he's going to do everything he can to help this group win Stanley Cups. Certainly did it the last two years. I can certainly see him doing that once again. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, the All-Star Game situation. It's a big debate every year. Who goes? Who stays? Who got snubbed? Uh, Victor Hedman and Andre Vasilevsky were the two players selected to represent Tampa Bay in the Atlantic Division. And here's the thing to kind of keep in mind as you look around the league at some of the players who were not on the All-Star game, and that includes, of course, Steven Stamkos. The rosters are limited. It's a three-on-three situation. You can't have everybody. You can't pick everybody. And lots of people will sit there and say, well, why do you have to have somebody from every team in the All-Star game? You don't. You have players that probably don't deserve to be there, but because every team has to have a representative. This is my thought on that argument. Yes, the All-Star game is to reward players who are having good years. But take a step back from being a fan and look at things from a league perspective. Do you want to give one of your 32 markets a reason not to tune into the game? Or do you want to have 9-year-old Joni or 10-year-old Johnny saying in, in, in whatever market you want to pick, they want to tune into the All-Star game because they want to see their guy. They want to see their player participate in it. That's the stance the league is always going to take. So you can debate players who were snubbed. Stamkos is certainly at the forefront of that conversation. A guy like Brad Marchand or Marchand, I don't know what he wants to be called this week, is not on the team. Right, So you you can go down the list of players who are not involved and then you look at other teams. Let's let's pick on Buffalo. Rasmus Dahlin will be part of the All-Star experience. But do you want to give the fans in Buffalo a reason not to tune into the game or do you want to give them a reason to tune into the game or the weekend festivities? So that's my thoughts on the All-Star game. My other thought on this is 
it, well, is it the worst thing if Steven Stamkos doesn't go? He's been there before. He's been a part of it. He knows the experience. He knows what it's like. Do you want him on a plane, flying three hours to get to Vegas, taking part in it? Not that it's, you know, it's it's not a stressful situation. It's a relaxed atmosphere. The game is certainly relaxed. It's a three-on-three, whatever it is. Or do you want Steven Stamkos at home, resting? Me, personally, selfishly, I'd rather Steven Stamkos be home. Selfishly, if there's one player I really don't want participating in the All-Star game, it's my goaltender. Yeah, you know, they're going to split time. You know, you're not going to play any more than two periods worth of, of three-on-three action. At the most, right? At the most, you're going to play is two games with the format that's set up. And I, I haven't seen anything to suggest the format is different. So, that's the All-Star game is for the fans. It's for the sponsors. There are players. And look, publicly, they're going to say the right things. I think privately, I think Stephen Stamkos is okay if he doesn't go. Honestly. Honestly. And, and it's not like, well, I mean, look, we all know Las Vegas is called Sin City for a reason, right? But I, I don't think this is the time to be gallivanting about Sin City for a weekend. Not in the current times that we're in and not with the potential of having to sit out games. Now, in Tampa Bay's situation, they're looking at some rest, right? They are looking at some rest afterwards, just because of they only have right now three games to make up, so uh, that's what uh, that's my thoughts on the All Star Game and what it means for quote unquote snub players. All right, last thing to touch on here is the conversation that came up earlier in the week regarding the possibility of Tampa Bay hosting an outdoor game. What's the first thing you think of? can't happen. It's Florida. Never going to happen. It could happen. Julian Breezebois was extremely bullish on the idea. He was adamant that it could be done. He was confident that the city and the team can get it done. He says with the players they have, and the star power that they have and the success that they've had, they deserve it. He said the fans, the fans, yes, you Lightning fans, deserve this opportunity. And if you look at the history of how some of these things have worked, well, who's hosting the Lightning in the Stadium Series game this year? It's Nashville. What was Nashville the previous time there were outdoor games in 2020. They were the visiting team in Dallas for the Winter Classic. And then they get to host their game. I, I think you have to look at it that way. And to some of the, um, <laughs> I guess, ridiculousness of the idea of an outdoor game 
being held in Tampa Bay and, and thinking that can't happen. Why can't it happen? The science has certainly gotten much better. The technology has certainly got much, much better. It's a risk, don't get me wrong. Just as it was, you know, a few years ago when they did outdoor game in California. I mean, who would have thought they could pull off an outdoor game in Southern California? It's warm there. Eh. Wintertime, it's it's a pretty steady climate. It's, you know, temperatures are pretty even. Um, Humidity's low. And I think that's the one thing that the league has had. And look, Gary Bettman has been asked about this just about every time he comes into town and speaks with um, the, the Tampa Bay media when he's around about an outdoor game. And he never says no. He discusses the challenges involved. And it's a challenge, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is... Uh, this is Florida, after all, and you certainly run the risk of running into a day that's too warm, a day that's too humid, and as we know, ice and humidity are mortal enemies. It's a difficult situation to think about, and and look, it, 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 sometimes you know people will tune in just to see if it'll be a train wreck. Let's face it. That's what a lot of people were hope were looking at when the game was in California. Can they pull this off? I gotta watch this. Even last year, when they did the game in Lake Tahoe without fans. Now the weather got in the way. I think that's why you saw the Winter Classic at night this year. I think you're gonna see these games now take place at night rather than trying to do it during the daytime because there's too many elements um, out of their control. Obviously, here. It would have to be a night game. But it can be done. When I put this on my Twitter feed on Wednesday, uh, Paul Delegato, the great chief meteorologist from Channel 13 here in Tampa, basically says it can be done. Uh, but, and this is the challenge, uh, it, had the game been this past Sunday, as I'm recording this here on the 14th, you know, the high was 84 and it was humid, which would have been a challenge. And, of course, as we saw, this is the reason why the game in Lake Tahoe was pushed back a few hours last year was because the ice was getting too soft. Uh, that's that's the injury risk. Uh, and, of course, weather being weather, you can't, you can't predict, you know, weeks out what it's going to look like. Uh, and as Paul points out here, on my Twitter line, these were the temperatures uh, this past uh, past week and a half uh, this month here in the Tampa Bay area. Low temperatures. These are lows, not the highs. These are the lows. 67, 71, 55, 50, 59, 56, 63, 58, 65, 64, 54. And, of course, those are temperatures that, that you hit at the deepest part of the night, you know, 5 a.m.-ish. And that's the way it was in, in California. I believe the temperatures was in the mid-50s. Humidity was lower. 
But basically the window, the window to be able to pull some of this off if the league is truly, truly wants to do this, and I think they do, because I've heard it from more than one person that, that Tampa Bay is going to get an outdoor game. That it, it 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 can be done, but it has to fall into the window. Basically, again, going off of what Paul Delegato said, and I and I've had this conversation with him previously, um, back when I was doing the radio show for the team. And he said you'd have to do it sometime between mid January and mid February. You couldn't do it in December. <laughs> if you saw what the tempers were like this December, there's no way. But basically, he said historically the climate is best for this possibility between January 15th and February 15th when the average average lows are in the mid to low 50s and the average highs are in the low 70s as we know it fluctuates you can't predict and if if the league is going to do this there would have to be a backup plan Look, I, I've even heard a lot of people say, well, can't you just do it at Tropicana Field? You could, but that's not an outdoor game. Ah, but it's a stadium series game. Yeah, it is, but they've done that. They've played games there before. That's not a novelty. This has to be a novelty for it to work. I don't think a casual fan is going to want to tune into a game taking place inside a baseball, inside a domed baseball stadium. It would be an event here. But you know what? They've sold 28,000 tickets to a hockey game at the then Thunderdome. I don't think I don't think that's an area to send it. Could that be your backup plan? I suppose it could be. Could you have a window of of 3 or 4 days to pull this off in case there's weather situations? You can. But there's television involved here. It's, you know, television needs to be a part of this as well. So there are a lot of logistical issues that the league and the city and the team and everything else would have to play through. Look, it would be at Raymond James Stadium. I can't think of anywhere else it could be, at least in the near term. All right, you're not going to go to Al Lang. You're not going to play at Legends Field. You know, you're not going to do any of those. So the only place you're going to pull this off is Raymond James Stadium, which is what you want. Can you imagine the look of ice down at Raymond James Stadium with the pirate ship there? The images for that? It's certainly not going to be like Minnesota. You're not going to have, quote-unquote, ice fishing taking place as it did on Target Field. But I think it's going to happen. I, I don't know if it's the next year or two, but I think very soon, and certainly with this window of players the Lightning have on their roster, the star power that they have on their roster, it's going to happen with those players involved. So I think it's going to come, and I think it's going to come soon. So just be on the lookout for that. I think it's exciting for the possibility. Uh, and again, I think some people will, of course, just tune in um, on a train wreck. Uh, I did not solicit questions this week, uh, but I had one here 
uh, that I want to address that came in from Kenny. This was just after Tampa Bay's game against New Jersey was postponed. Ask you what's the criteria that the league uses to decide to postpone a game or not because the Lightning had to play through their situation and Montreal did as well. There's no magic number here. The league evaluates everything on a team-by-team, situation-by-situation basis. Because when the Canadians were here on the 28th, the Lightning had six players in protocol. The Canadians had nine. He had 15 total players unavailable for the game. And that game played on. Basically, it comes down to how quickly has an outbreak spread. What's the situation with your minor league team? Are there enough players available to field a team? How many do you have on your taxi squad? This is why the taxi squad was created. So that's what it all comes down to. I, I, with Jersey's situation, I, they had what they have seven. Forgive me for not having this information in front of me or on top of my head. They had six or seven players unavailable, but they also had players unavailable with their minor league team. And the minor league teams are getting tested as well. You know, a player comes up and joins the team on a roster, on a taxi squad or whatever. They get tested to make sure that they're in a good situation. So there is no magic formula. There is no magic number that triggers the league to pause a game, to postpone a game. The biggest question for me would have been the one against between uh, Carolina and Philadelphia. Carolina already in town. They canceled the game at 10 o'clock at night, less than 24 hours before the game was scheduled to take place. Again, Carolina's already there, and usually if the team's already in the city, they're going to play the game. They canceled it at 10 o'clock, and the Flyers practiced the next day. Now, they had some players that they weren't that were eligible that were potentially coming out of protocol but it's not a guarantee until you get the test results back the next day. So that probably factored into it a little bit. But Carolina was already there, and then Carolina couldn't even practice because they were planning to practice at Wells Fargo Center because their gear was already there, and Wells Fargo had already covered up the ice with a basketball court. So they couldn't even get a practice in. So that's a situation where you're like, hey, what, what's the criteria here? There is no set criteria. There is no playbook for this. You consider and say that you know they're um, doing it on the fly, and, and that's probably pretty accurate. But that's where things are with the situation. But again, look for the schedule of these replayed games to be out here very soon. All right, last note to pass along to you. I'm sure plenty of you know, but if you don't, uh, the U.S. Olympic team roster was announced. And Lightning prospect defenseman Nick Perbix, who plays at St. Cloud State University, is a senior at St. Cloud State this year, uh, was named to the USA roster. So there's a reason for you to turn in or to tune into the games, or at least pay attention to the games next month in Beijing, China. Uh, and as well, Nathan Smith, who is a Pasco County resident, yes, he grew up and played hockey here growing up is an alumni of the Lightning High School Hockey League, was also named to the team. He plays at Minnesota State. He's a junior, a third-round draft pick of the Winnipeg Jets a couple years ago. 
So yes, the Tampa Bay area has produced an Olympian for hockey. How about that? Congratulations to Nathan Smith. You're going to probably hear a little bit more about him here in the coming days, uh, coming weeks, certainly, as we look forward to the Olympics that start. Uh, they open February 3rd. Team USA's first game is scheduled to be February the 10th against host China, which uh, should be an interesting game to keep tabs on. All right, that's going to wrap up this latest edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. As always, thanks, everybody, for listening, supporting, tuning in, those who subscribe to my site, all that. Make sure you check out BetUS.com. Again, if you're interested in that, set up an account. Use the promo code BOLTS22, B-O-L-T-S, 22. You get 125% signing bonus. Everything you do there also helps support this podcast and what it is that I do. So if you like what I do and if you're into uh, the bets and the prop bets and the live betting and everything else that's uh, gaining steam, go check out BetUS.com. All right, we'll be back with another podcast edition here in the not-so-distant future. Uh, In the meantime, enjoy the games. We'll talk soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.